The title for today is called God's Underground Railway, Carrying Your Children to Safety. And this is uh, something that the Lord said to me in my spirit. And, you know, if you think about the Underground Rail Railway, uh, you know, when those black people being oppressed by those racists, ungodly people trying to ruin them, trying to own them, trying to possess a human life. And um, in that oppression, they sought out ways of freedom, as a smart person would do. And there were people along the way that were used to get them to safety, to get them out of the oppression. And, uh, you know, moms and dads do this. Uh, but we've been given a special place when God gives us a child. Uh, and by the way, there's no, um, there's no expiry date. I don't care where your children are or how old they are. I don't care if they're in prison today. I don't care where they are. I don't care what they've done. God has put something in you for them. And as long as they breathe air on this soil, on the earth, we have been given so much in the realm of the spirit to pray out. And um, I'll say this, uh, getting in the realm of the spirit, learning how to get in there and praying what I remember Reverend Joel Siegel said, not bedtime prayers, but end time prayers. That's what he talked about. What's he talking about getting in the spirit? That's a place of power. It's a place where there's always answers, always answers. It's where when we go in, as we gain skill, we begin to see those things manifest that our hearts have longed for. So if you're here this morning and some years have passed, I want you to be encouraged because the Lord gave me this message for you. And he wants you to know, he never wants you to assume that it's too late, to assume it can't be done. Uh, he wants you to take great courage. The word always says that, take great courage. Be bold in taking courage in the Lord because God wants to turn things. He wants to turn things. God wrote the word so that we would win. So that we would know what, no matter what Goliath looks like or what the lion and the bear looks like, we've been given a place in that throne room of God, and no one can keep you out of it. No one can keep you out of it, except you. That's the only person. But if you make a decision to get into that place with the Lord, you will walk fearless, and you will not worry about the things that your eyes are beholding because you know the day is coming when the lock is going to turn, and it's going to open up, and you're going to see deliverance. You're going to see healing. You're going to see God come to your children, both young and old. You're going to see that if you don't quit, if you believe the word. God has great power available for us. And now he has not groomed us to quit. He has not groomed us to look at only what we can see. He's given us different eyes and different ears to hear the things that the Lord is saying, to see what the Lord is seeing and showing us that we would be mighty in it, that we would be so strong in it, so strong. It would emanate out of us that our eyes would only behold the word of the Lord. And in seasons, listen, the word is full of people that had to go through seasons that were very dark, very dark. Look at Daniel. He's doing God's word. He's living for God. That was dark, but God walked with him in the lion's den. Look at Joseph. Everything went south on him. He wasn't, it wasn't even because of him, but because he followed the Lord. And the promises of God were with him. God exalted him in due season. And we're in some seasons, some of us. 
And you might be looking around, you can't see it yet, but God wants you to behold with your spiritual eyes. He wants you in your prayer closet praying things out. Because when you pray things out, they're a sure thing. They are a sure thing. They will come to pass. They absolutely will. And we have so many promises in the word about that. I want to read you something this morning. It was something I read out of a book. I don't usually like to bring stories unless they're stories that belong to the family or something like that, but, or Dad Hagen. But I read this, and it blessed me. And I wanted to read it to you. It's, it's called The Legend of the Circle Maker. I don't know, maybe some of you have read it. But it's, uh, it's a real precious story, and I, I think you'll, you'll appreciate what's being shown there. So it's, it says this. It says, this is a story, and it's the legend of Honi, the circle maker, in the Jewish Talmud. And it changed the way that I prayed. Let's go into this. It had not rained in Israel for one entire year. No clouds in the sky, no water in the well, gardens did not grow, rivers ran dry, dust filled the air. The people were thirsty and scared. They pleaded with one voice, oh God, give us rain. When God didn't answer right away, some feared he had forgotten them. Then they remembered something. They remembered someone, the rainmaker. Now, this is not a witch doctor, okay? This is in the Jewish Talmud, okay? <laughs> Hardly anyone had seen his face, but nearly everyone had heard his voice. People would travel for days just to hear Honi praying inside his hut on the outskirts of Jerusalem. This is based on a true story, by the way. His aged body was weak, but his childlike faith was strong. His prayers were so powerful that they made people weep. Like Elijah, who ended a three-year drought with one prayer, Honi was famous for praying for rain. He had the same faith, the same spirit as Elijah. The people that knew that Honi was their last hope, um, their only hope, so they knocked and the rainmaker answered. The people complained, we can't hear God and God can't hear us. The rainmaker replied, even if you can't hear God, God can always hear you. Then he boldly declared, the same God who made thunder will make it clap. The same God who made the clouds will make them rain. The parade of people led Honey into the city. As the crowd grew larger, children climbed onto the shoulders of their fathers. Others stood on tiptoe to see what Honey would say and what Honey would do, and that's when it happened. Honey bowed his head and extended his staff to the ground. What is he doing? The people wondered. Then Honey began to turn. He turned all the way around until he stood inside the complete circle he had drawn. Then when the hope of the entire nation was on his shoulders, Honey dropped to his knees. A holy hush came over the crowd so that everyone heard his humble prayer. Sovereign Lord, I swear before your great name that I will not leave this circle until you have mercy upon your children. The words hung in the air. Is he serious? He won't leave until it rains? A few skeptics smirked, but not for long. No one knows whether they saw it or felt it first, but a single raindrop fell from heaven. Then thousands of thirsty souls turned their heads heavenward and caught raindrops in their wide open mouths. Laughter filled the air, and I love this, but Honey was still kneeling, still praying. Not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain that will fill cisterns, pits, and caverns. The sprinkle turned into such a downpour that the crowd fled to higher ground to escape the flash floods. Not Honey, he battled the storm on his knees. 
Not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain of your favor, blessing, and graciousness. Then, like a sun shower on a hot summer day, it began to rain calmly and peacefully. Children danced in the downpour like it was the first rainfall they had ever seen, and for some of them it was. It was the day thunderclaps applauded God. It was the day puddle jumping became an act of praise. It was the day the true legend of the circle maker was born. Honey, the circle maker, had taught them the power of prayer. One prayer can change anything. One prayer can change everything. And from that day forth, whenever the people needed a miracle, they would draw a circle and pray just like Honey. They circled the sick. They circled the sad. They circled the young. They circled the old. They circled their biggest dreams. They circled their greatest fears. And most importantly, they circled the promises of God. Sometimes they had to pray for a long, long time, but they never again doubted the fact that God always hears and God always answers when it is his will for his glory. Everyone who witnessed the miracle that day learned a lesson they would never forget. God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. Praise the Lord. I just love that. I think about putting a circle around our children. But again, as you can see, it's not just about children. It's about whatever we're facing in life and refusing to look at anything except what the promises of God say. Amen. So look with me in the word this morning to 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 to 5. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 to 5. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not carrying on the warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. This is the Amplified. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Do you hear that language this morning? We're not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh. The flesh, believe it or not, you know, doing things with wisdom can take care of a lot of issues, a lot of problems. There's natural wisdom in the earth that is good for us. But this is about spiritual strongholds. This is about destroyers. This is about the things that will not respond to weapons of the flesh. This is a different realm altogether. And you should be glad to hear about it because this realm covers everything. This is the realm that makes the impossible come to pass when nothing can make it come to pass except for the power of God. That's that realm. For the weapons of our warfare that have been given to us, they're not physical. They're mighty before God. For the overthrow and destruction of strongholds, that's what they're meant to do the weapons that have been given to us, we are supposed to see things destroyed, strongholds, impossibilities, slandering giants, blasphemers, things that come against and wage a war against the truth, that wage a war against what we've been promised, that wage a war against what the Lord has said will come to pass. These are the weapons. This is the weapon of our warfare in the prayer closet. When God has given us a promise, we war over those promises in the spirit. We pray out in the natural and then we quickly get over into the realm of the spirit because nothing can defeat. Nothing can defeat you there. Nothing. It is the might of God in that place. It is the might of God. And the longer you spend in that place, the more confident you'll become, the more you'll know God. 
the more that you'll be able to, to stand against raging enemies, things that would f- cripple lesser, um, I can't say men because the strength doesn't come from men. It comes from men yielded to God because God's power flows through them. And then they're not afraid. They're actually ready for battle. They're ready. They're made ready. You know, you can live your whole life hoping things don't come your way. But it's a different life to be made ready. It's different. There's a sobriety to being ready in the spirit, waiting for those things that show up in front of you and knowing that the anointing is with you. The anointing is with you because you've spent the time with the Lord getting to know the weapons of warfare. This is what we're called to learn, the weapons of warfare. Can I tell you something? You can train your children in the natural very, very well. But there's some things that will come against your children that the natural, it won't take care of it. It won't take care of it. There are things that will come against your children that unless you understand how to get in to the spirit and literally decimate and tear asunder those assignments in the spirit, not attacking your child, not going after your child, not despairing over your child, that if you, you, when you get in that place, you literally, in a sense, turn your back away from the child if it's necessary because you have been given weapons of warfare that nothing can withstand. But there's something that's going to try to keep you out of using those weapons. The slanderer, the giant, Goliath, he's got a big mouth. He's got a big mouth. He's very intimidating to watch. And there's a lot that rests on if he wins. So one of the major things is fear. A bombardment of the mind in fear. And, and of course, the enemy loves to hook in to whatever amount of truth that he can manifest before your eyes. So that you reason with yourself, it is reasonable for me to be afraid. It is reasonable. I think that I will take the fear in hitting my own heart, and I think I will discuss it. And try to get help naturally. And I think that I will gain support Uh, by discussing it. And listen, there is support out there, but not for this stuff. Not for this stuff. I trust you understand my heart when I mean that. I'm not trying to throw away natural training and, and good prayers. And I'm not saying that. I'm talking about the things that come to steal, kill, and to, to destroy. So he says that they are not physical weapons. They're mighty before God. They come from the presence of God. They come when you stay before God. That's the only way they come. They don't come to the life of the casual believer. Because you're not, you're not familiar with them. You won't recognize them. You won't know how to use them. Uh, but when you stay in the presence of the Lord, you will overthrow and destroy strongholds. What are strongholds? They're knowledge that's built up. Look at the world we live in. If ever there's a time when your children need you to almost ignore them and get into the prayer closet, this is it. This is it. 
Not only are we faced with just praying for them and trying to keep them safe from what's out there. This is the darkest generation the world's ever going to see. But we don't have to be afraid because we've been given weapons of warfare. Now, remember what I said. I'm teaching this through the lens of Mother's Day. So I'm obviously talking about children. This does not just extend to children. This is families. This is anyone that you're interceding for. Now, children, we have a th great authority, but I've learned if you'll get on your knees and intercede for someone. Look what Brother Bill Prankard said. They, they interceded, <laughs> and the suicide stopped. Look at that. We need to listen to that. And it says, inasmuch as we refute arguments, oh, arguments, the arguments, the theories, the reasonings, and every proud and lofty thought that sets itself against the knowledge of God, and we lead every thought, we lead every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Huh. This is... This is work. When your brain is getting buffeted, your heart is getting buffeted. If it's for your children, you'll, there's no hurt like the hurt of watching your children do the wrong thing, say the wrong things, not love God, do, uh, be out in society doing things that you didn't raise them to do. <laughs> there's no hurt like that. <laughs> oh, but we have a place in prayer to turn it. And not only that, God says in that season that there's great joy for you. The joy won't come from the natural. Now, when I was younger, I thought, well, where, where the heck is the joy going to come from? <laughs> Where's the joy going to come from if it doesn't come from the natural? This is the joy that comes from the realm of the spirit. This is part of the warfare. There is a realm of joy that you will stir up within yourself that is, it becomes a shield for you that you can feel, that you shouldn't feel. But it's a shield. It's a very, very real thing. It's a weapon of warfare. That joy, that joy will cause you to rejoice and sing and praise God and lift up your head so that your head is not laid down in shame. And it will cause you to reject the assault of the enemy against your mind as if it was happening to someone else. This is the power of God for us. And if you're... We need to learn how to do that, whether it's for children, whether it's for another section of our life altogether. The faster we learn how to get into the realm of the spirit on joy, the less the enemy can get to us and the more God's power flows. That power is flowing for us. His power is always flowing, creating things behind the scenes so that we come out as victors. Glory to God. You know, I, I remember uh, for, for a member of my family some time ago, um, God had me, I was, I was using Mark eleven twenty three. 23. You speak to the mountain. 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 I'm speaking to the mountain and it's getting worse. I mean, dramatically worse. I'm speaking to the mountain. And the enemy kept saying to me, you can speak to other mountains, but you can't speak to that. You don't have enough power. You can't speak to that. And because I knew I was dealing with demons. And he kept saying to me, you, you can't do it that way. And now that should have been my first clue. 
But here's the thing. When the enemy buffets you, it feels true because there's a great press. And so when he's pressing, you feel like, that's right, I can't. So that's why you have to answer. Remember the, the Lord answered Satan face to face when he tempted him. And so I would answer it and say, that's not true. That's not true. I have Bible for it. God, I, that's not true. It's in Mark eleven twenty three. 23. God said, I can speak to a mountain. You're a liar. I'm going to speak to this mountain. And so I kept answering it. And, and I kept hearing that voice say to me, well, you can pray. You, you might have a little bit of effect, but, but you can't speak to that. You can't. Not that. There's other ways. You, there's probably a way you're missing it. Like God might want you to be going into different kinds of prayer, but because you're just kind of supplicating, I mean, he just threw in the whole batch of reasons why it was not going to work. And I kept answering it. I said, I have, I have Bible. I have Bible. I have Mark eleven twenty three that says, I can speak to it. And it doesn't say that I can't speak to demons. Obviously, we can, but the pressure was there. And so at 3 o'clock one morning, I woke up out of my sleep, and I heard the Lord, and this is how he said it. He said, <laughs> he said, I told you. That's what he said. That's how he said it. I told you that if you would speak to a mountain, it would have to obey you if you don't doubt. Now speak to it. And, I, and I, it felt like someone just put cement on the inside of me. And I got up out of bed, and I, I felt the strength of God come into me, and I doubled and tripled up on my efforts of speaking to those demons that were oppressing this person that mattered to me. And for a while, it looked worse. For a while, if I was only seeing with these eyes, I would have quit. And I remember one particular day. It was the worst day. And I remember as I was in my prayer closet, I remember saying to the Lord, I said, Father, I, there's no retreat for the believer. There is no retreat. There's no retreat. It's okay to stay in there until the skill comes. But there's no retreat. And didn't the Lord say he would meet you in that place? But it's in that place. It's not in the place of worry. It's not in the place of prayerlessness. It's in that place. You notice he woke me up at 3 a.m. in the morning. Why? Because I'm engaged. I hated the way it felt. But I'm engaged. And I can't let go. I'm going to lose something very important if I let go. I cannot. And so if it looks like I'm failing for a season, so be it. But before the Lord, there cannot be retreat. And so in the darkest moment, I remember I said to the, to the enemy, and I don't make a big habit of speaking to him. I talk to the Lord mostly, but I said to him, to the death, to the death, that's my territory. You're never getting that territory. You're never getting that ground. You're not allowed to have that ground. That's my authority. That's my place. And if I'm in that place, which I was, then I'm allowed to go in and I'm allowed to tear down Everything that you've tried to build, the strongholds, the lofty arguments, the torments, the vexings, the holds. <laughs> I see your head shaking because I know when the enemy gets to trying to work on you or work on your family, things get strained. They get taxing. You sometimes find yourself saying, what do I do? 
But the, the word says the Lord's out ahead of you. He's out ahead of you. So whenever you're facing something, you need to first remind yourself he's out ahead of you. He's out ahead of you. And he had, he's got you in his hands. But you'll, you have to engage. And you have to stay in that place. And the answers will come. You will have victory. You are promised a fleeing of the devil if you will submit yourself to God and stand in that place. And so after it looked the darkest... And I just, I made a, uh, and I just, a, I recovenanted in my heart that this, this training was good for me. Yes. That the press and the fatigue was actually probably, uh, not that I, God didn't cause it, but he would use it to uh, find, he would use it in my process of dying to self so that my spiritual eyes could see. He would use it and he would see me through to the victory. And so I, I reaffirmed my commitment to staying in prayer until that Jericho fell. And uh, I was expecting it to be, I don't know, another year, two years. Did it matter? I mean, it matters in the sense that it doesn't feel good. But I just, there was no, going, there was going to be no quit. And... Uh, and it was, it was like a week or two after that, the Spirit of God came into that situation and did one miracle, then another miracle, then another miracle, and changed the whole landscape into something that I could never have seen coming, not like that. And, and no natural effort could have done it. Nothing in the natural could touch it because God wanted to see his word come to pass, and he knew I was going to stand with him until it came to pass. And so these weapons of our warfare, so that is faith and speaking to a mountain. you got to speak to things. I know we hear it here, but you have to speak to things because you've been given authority. God needs you to use your authority. You know, and he will give you, listen, I'm just talking to you because I'm a mom. And I pray for my kids, but this is not all about my kids. There's different situations that I could use towards my children. I would use the same weapons for my children, but it's not just about my children. I remember one night I was sitting with Craig. I guess I'm going to be telling stories today, honey. I guess the, the lessons are in the stories. But I was sitting in my living room, oh, maybe six months ago. And Craig and I were talking, and uh, we, don't, we don't really sit and discuss problems, but we're married, so there were some things that we were just talking about. And as we're sitting in the living room, it was about 9 o'clock at night, none of the kids were home, and um, a stillness came down over my spirit. And I knew when that happens, it doesn't happen a lot, but when it happens, I know God's going to speak to me. I know something's going to operate in the realm of the spirit. And so Craig was finishing up a sentence, and I, I wasn't trying to be rude, but I said, honey, 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 be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. And he stopped, and he looked at me, and, and I said, the Lord, I can feel the Lord. And, and the Lord opened up my eyes into the realm of the spirit because we were facing things that uh, were very, very difficult. And he opened up my eyes. And when he did, I saw uh, four whirlwinds. I saw them spinning. I saw them. And they were, they were in the shape of a square. They were f to the four corners. And I saw them. And I knew as soon as I saw them in the realm of the natural, I knew that they were for complete destruction. 
I knew they were destroyers. They weren't just, you know, something small. They were coming. And I, let me say this. You, if you think that that's happening because I'm a pastor, no, it's happening because I'm a believer and because I'm engaging God. God will do that in your life just as much as he'll do that in mine. Don't get that mixed up because God wants to operate the gifts in your life and he wants to show you the things of the spirit. And he never just says that that's for ministers. Never. It's for believers. And so when I saw those four whirlwinds coming, I could feel the fear just hit me. Because when, when you see demons, you can feel that attack. You can feel it. It feels horrid at times. And so I, I began, but this is what I wanted to get to. Because I'd been praying a lot, I believe more time you spend with God, more time you're praying that the gifts operate a lot faster. The more you're with him, the more the gifts will operate. God is not meaning for the gifts to have a little spattering in our lives. We're yearning and yearning, and we see them like just so very little, and who can know, and uh, they're almost mysterious. That, that's not what God wants for the church. He wants you prayed up so that when you're using your faith, for instance, the gift of faith can operate and attach to your faith. He wants gifts of healings. He wants the power gifts, but they, they come out of relationship. They really do. And so when I saw those four whirlwinds, uh, the gift of faith came on me. It was not my faith. And the reason I know that is because I felt like I'm going to rip your throat out. And that's not, you can't do that in the presence of demons in your flesh. <laughs> that's not how it works. But it came on me. The might, it was the might of God. That's the might God is talking about when he says they're made, these weapons are mighty through God. And they're, for, they're to tear down the things that the enemy is doing, to put an utter stop to things that he's been building for years. And some of the reasons why these things are still erected is because we're, we need skill. And that's why God's inviting us in. And the faster we can get in, the faster we can learn, the faster we can cause these things to come down the faster that we can see change. And so as I begin to proclaim, it was a gift of faith, I know it was, I begin to say, I bind your assignments, every one of them, I destroy them in the name of Jesus. And I could feel that power just emanating. And then the Lord, I could see them just turn and just go. I saw them dissipate and go. And I knew that something, he didn't reveal to me what it was, but I knew that something had been dealt with that was coming to destroy. And the things of the spirit touch everything. Do you know that? Yeah. It touches emotional things. It touches social things. It touches physical things, financial things. It touches everything. Everything. So seeing those things dealt with, I sat in my living room in a holy hush because I knew that something had been averted. And when you start serving the Lord, and he means something to you, and you're going to go that way with him, the enemy will stand up against you. He will stand up against you, but you have been promised by the Lord that if you will walk with him, even if you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to be afraid. There's a table there for you to eat. You're supposed to eat at that table the whole time that you're going through, because you're going through. You're not camping. You're going through. You're going, you're praying your way through. You're not using natural weapons. 
You're not using natural means. You're praying your way through to the completion of that. And there's something about when a, uh, an attack is ended and you've got the victory. You'll be so glad that you didn't um, use natural means. That you trusted God. Because the next time something like that pops up, that much quicker. That much quicker you're dealing with it. That much quicker you're turning the situation around. That much quicker you're not impressed by what the enemy's trying to do. You have a place in God to protect. Remember God told Pastor Nancy, I'm setting you as a watchman over your family. And if it can be turned, I expect it turned. What does that tell you? Most things can be turned. Most things can be turned. And I always say this, if something can't be turned, Lord, you'll have to let me know. If it can't be turned, you're going to have to tell me. How can I walk into my prayer closet confident if in the back of my mind there's a caveat, maybe, maybe I can't do this, or maybe that's not God's will this way? No, we're in a deep communion with the Father, and he leads and he guides us by his Spirit. And you know, God, let me say this. As parents, if you have an attitude of whitewashing everything, you know what I mean by that. Oh, it worked for us. It'll work for you. You know, your brother's good at this. Why don't, you know, what about you? Or this one's my favorite. Your kids should never hear those words out of, no, no, no. They're damaging. Nobody, no favorites. If one is giving you more trouble than the rest, that's a very superficial level. The love is the same. Those behaviors can be changed. You don't love, you don't have no favorites. No favorites. That's not, not right. Even, listen, even if you feel drawn to one because maybe, I don't know, maybe they're, they're like you or maybe make you happy, whatever. That's superficial. God gave you that child. It, that spirit was given to you. And you war over that spirit. And you stay balanced and proper over that spirit. No favorites. That should not, never be allowed. Never be allowed because they didn't ask to be born, <laughs> you know, and you're the only parents they've got. And so when you're a parent of a child, you know, if things are going a certain way that's not the way you wanted, make sure you protect your mind. Remember what the word says, casting all your care on him for he cares for you because the mind is attacked by the enemy. The word keeps you stable on the inside, keeps you joying, keeps you doing, keeps you receiving answers on behalf of your children, keeps them surrounded. You know, when I was younger, I used to constantly pray for divine protection for my children. It's like, it like a thing. I had to cover it. I had to cover it. But the more mature I got, the more I realized God's out ahead of me. If I'm spirit led, he tells me when there's trouble. He tells me when there's trouble because he's out ahead of me. That's important for us to know that we're not frantic or we're not legalistic trying to check off some boxes. No, it's a walk of the spirit. And you know what? Another thing to remember is that if your spirit is not troubled, even if there's troubling circumstances, obviously if the Lord is not troubling your spirit, you've got no reason to be concerned in that sense because just stay with prayer. Stay with speaking life over them and God will see it through. He knows how to take care of our children. You know, 
it's interesting. I was, have you ever heard or read about George Mueller? You know, the, he had the orphanages in Bristol, England, and he did it all by faith. He was known as a man who prayed constantly. And what people don't know about George Mueller, if you read it, uh, I read one of his biographies. It was really well written. But it starts off, George Mueller was a, a very, very terrible young man. Terrible in a way that makes you kind of wish you don't have a child that's that way. Because there are children that can do naughty things or they, they can do things, but George Mueller was not that sort of bad. He was, he was the type of child, he was, uh, put it this way, the night his mother died, he was off partying with his friends and didn't bother to come home upon hearing about her death in the same town because he didn't want to leave the party. He was also the type of young man that was a liar and an extreme thief and got thrown into prison at like 16. Yeah, he was, and he, but what marked him was he was very manipulative and conniving. And he would even steal from his friends who trusted him just to see if he could do it. That's the kind of young man George Mueller was. Very cold and very calculating. Yes. <laughs> There's hope for us. Praise the Lord. So, but what happened with him, I was so surprised by the story because I only heard the good part, but how God used him. But his father, you know, went at one point to retrieve him from prison at 16. He had stolen again and the cops had caught him. And um, his father was the old school, you know, take you home and beat you. And he did. He beat him hard. Like he could hardly walk for a couple of days. But he said to him, he said, what would your mother think of you now? And he said, I truly didn't care. And he said, the only reason I was sorry and was that I, I was thinking how stupid I was to get caught and I would be smarter the next time. That, and so he bore the shame of having not succeeded in his endeavors to steal. So this went deep with him. And then, you know, he goes to school and one of his friends that he would party with was there. And uh, he noticed his friend's behavior started to change over time. And so he met him out in the street one day. And he said, where are you headed? He was headed off somewhere. And he goes, he didn't want to tell George where he was going. And uh, finally, George got it out of him that he was heading to like a, a home meeting, a ch home church meeting. And he didn't want George to make fun of him because George was the type to make fun. And, uh, and he was bold. George was bold. He's just a mocker, a drinker. He just had lived life large and made fun of everything and anything he could because nothing was sacred to him. And so anyway, he went with his friend expecting this to be more fun, <laughs> more material for his fun making. And he said his friend was so nervous, he truly didn't want George to go, but George pushed and so he went. And you know, when he got there, there was a man there who just simply knelt down. He started the meeting by kneeling down and talking to God as if the Lord was real. And something about it shocked George. He'd only seen religion. He had never seen someone talk to the Lord like he was real or that he was his father. And uh, that, was, that was the catalyst that changed everything. And he came out shocked and changed. And he wanted what, what his friend had. And he gave his heart to the Lord. And so it was precious. And after that began a life of walking with God but I'm saying, you know, his mom never got to see that. His dad did, but his mom never got to see that. So I think that knowing what we know about praying, getting in the spirit, 
letting the Lord lead us and guide us when it comes to dealing with our children. Being spirit-led in how we deal with our children. Because, you know, with our children, too, there's seasons that are amazing. And then there's seasons where God will have such mercy flow out of you that you don't even agree with the mercy. You don't even, it's not, it's not part of your, uh, your DNA. You just think, this is ridiculous. And yet the Lord will restrain you. He'll tell you to sow love. You're thinking, I don't even believe in this. This is not what I would do. But the Lord in you knows how to reach, how to love, how to reverse things, how to build children up. And, you know, and he's there. He wants us to do a good job because he needs those kids to grow up and love him. And love him with all their hearts. Amen? I'm almost done. Ah, glory to God. You know, 2 Kings 6.12, it talks about Elisha and the angelic host. Do you remember? The army came. The king sent them because someone was telling the military secrets. <laughs> and they knew who it was. They knew it was Elisha. They knew that God would tell him things. So they came to get him. And his servant is so troubled. Come on. Let's be real. If this happened today... And an army is sent after you. You're, <laughs> what a spiritual response. But you know, I don't believe that Elisha was trying to have faith. It just emanated out of him because he knew God. That's why he said to his servant, oh, well, actually said to the Lord, Lord, open up his eyes so he can see there's more with us than could ever be against us. This is what God is saying to us today as mothers, even as fathers or anything that we're praying for. There's more with us. There's more with us getting in that realm of the spirit to tear down devilish assignments against family members, against the things, the people that are in our path that we love, that we treasure, that we need to see a change in. And God wants us to know that there's an angelic army that works with us. Do you believe that this morning? There's actually angels that work with us, that assist us, and the Holy Spirit assists us and causes uh, knowledge to come that we wouldn't otherwise have, but he, he has that for us. There's three things that you can pray for your children. The Lord brought this up in my heart years ago. If you feel like your children are not going the right way, or if you feel like they're cooling off when it comes to the Lord. If you feel like it's not very real to them. Or it's fully developed and they're not interested. This is what the Lord showed me years ago. And it was Exodus 3 and it's the burning bush of Moses. I prayed this over my kids. I've prayed this for years. The burning bush is for them to recognize the divine call. And in holiness take off their shoes before the Lord God Almighty that they would have an experience with God that is theirs alone. You notice nobody was there with Moses when God spoke to him? You want to read it? You, want, you can read it. You, okay. <laughs> Exodus 3. Let me just turn there real quick. Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire 
out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon you stand is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Oh, glory to God. When our children see the glory of God, they're being prepared. But God met Moses. And you know, when you're anointed and you're in your prayer closet, and those children have been given to you. You have a God-given right to ask the Lord to show up in an experience like a burning bush and call those children. And I don't just mean to five-fold ministry, but to call them to their purpose, to call them to walk upon the earth as believers. You have every right. You have every right. The next one that he, he said to me was um, he showed me Balaam's donkey. <laughs> He said, when they're on their way, when they're on the way where they shouldn't be going, they're going to a place of cursing. They're going to a place outside of my plan. They're, they're walking in an evil path. And he said, you can command the angel to block the way. You can command the angel to block the way. Balaam was angry. And if your child gets angry, that's okay. Because that angel is there. Your child doesn't know the great I am the way that you do. Your child doesn't have revelation of the walk of God like you do. So you command that angel to stand in the way, to block the path. And he is going to do it because he listens to us. And the Bible says they're ministers to us, heirs of salvation. You know, and I remember when I was younger, I, there was two years where I did not follow God the way I should have. I still loved him, but I was enamored with the things that I saw around me. And of course, the enemy was telling me, you know, you grew up in a little Pentecostal church. Like, life is so much bigger than that. Life is so much bigger than that. Well, life might be bigger than the Pentecostal church in that scenery, but in terms of the truth of the word of God, nothing compares to the bigness of God. But when you're young, you can be duped. You don't know that. You just stick around for a little while and you realize what life is and how it can, you know, it can be difficult. And even if it's good, there's an emptiness that comes. So... <laughs> Balaam's donkey, the Lord had me pray that. I've been praying that for my kids for years. And the, the third one was Paul on the road to Damascus, a confrontation with God. Acts 9, verse 3. And this is what the Lord always says. Why do you kick against the pricks? Why are you persecuting me, Paul? And what happened when that voice came to him? He didn't know. He was doing evil, but he didn't even know it was evil. He thought he was standing for God. So it just shows you the gamut. But it doesn't matter. The church, this was a man the church feared. This was a man who murdered people with zeal and thought he was doing God a favor. And the church was praying, and the moms and dads are praying. And if the time needs to come, where there's a visitation from God and a voice of rebuke from heaven and a revealing of Jesus Christ. 
then you'll have it. Because he says you have to ask or you won't receive it. You have to ask or you won't receive it. Our children without a personal experience with God will not last in this generation. The persecution alone. The love of God is what compels us. The love of God is what makes the difference. And the power of God. Seeing his power, seeing his hand, knowing him, that's what makes the difference. And not, I don't mean knowing him in, a, in the sense of going to church. That's awesome. I, but I mean knowing him privately, secretly, in the secret place. That's what I mean. I'm going to finish with this story. A while ago, I think my husband has shared in this season that we have had to stand on the word about certain things. There's been quite a few attacks and, and quite difficult to maneuver. But the Lord's been so present. Oh, my goodness. He's been so present. I appreciate your prayers for us because we can feel them. But I was driving home one night, and um, I want to tell you this story because it shows, just, it shows the love of the Lord. By the end, you'll know what I mean. In the beginning, it might not sound that way, but the love of the Lord is shown in this story. So I was driving home one night a while ago, not that long ago, and do you remember the night that we had like this flash snowstorm? Do you remember that night? And you're thinking, what is going on? And as I'm driving up Mississauga Road in the country, I come to a stop sign, and then I start my way up the hill, and as I'm going, again, I felt the stillness of God come over me, and I knew he was going to speak, or he was going to say, or do something. And about 100 meters down the road, my, my eyes, my spiritual eyes opened, and I saw a creature standing about 100 meters down the way. And as, I'm, as I see it, I can feel this cold wash of eerie fear go down the back of my neck because I can see it fully, clearly. And when I look, it's a creature that looks half goat, Half man. Now, this is discerning of spirits. For those of you that don't know, this is one of the gifts of the spirit, one of the nine gifts. And whenever God does that, he's showing you something so that you have power to destroy it. He's showing you what's behind the scenes. That's not to become, you know, fascinated with. He's showing it to you so that you have a clearer understanding of what you're dealing with and for you to see it through till it's done. And so as I'm looking, I see this creature, and it's standing. It, it looks male, and it's standing to the side like this. And it's got horns, and it's looking at me, and it's got his hand up, and it's like a very coy, like a smirk on its face, and he's hiding behind his hand. And I'm seeing this as clear as I'm seeing you. And I said, Lord, what is that? Sometimes when I see things in the Spirit, I know what it is immediately, but sometimes I have to ask. And he said, that's the Spirit that's behind the buffeting. And so take authority over it. And I thought there's been other times, remember I told you about the whirlwinds? There just came the gift of faith. It was like, I'm going to rip your throat at this Holy Ghost aggression. And I saw them spin off and I knew it was dealt with. But with this, that aggression didn't come. I just calmly begin to adjure it in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, I see you. God has shown you to me. You know, you've been revealed, so now I'm going to tear, tear your assignment apart. Your assignment will not come to pass. I forbid it. 
I forbid it. And the Lord, listen, I've had lots of things turn and I didn't need to see a spirit. This is just the way the God, that the Lord operated this way. And so I prayed for the rest of the way home. And when I got home, I thought I didn't really have the sense that it was finished, but I knew that it had been revealed and I knew that I had started coming after it. Do you, do you understand what I mean? It's a different operation. I asked my husband about it and he explained it to me. He said, it just shows it's more of a process. He said, you notice the other time that gift of faith came, you dealt with it, you knew it was over. But this didn't feel finished, but it felt revealed. And so as I began to get home and I went to bed and I, about an hour and a half later, I woke up. And when I woke up, I woke up with this verse. I'll show you coming up out of my spirit. I just, I love it when I wake up and the word is just right there. It's in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And it says, where is it? <laughs> I can't find it. Oh, here it is. Verse 14. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. This is what I woke up to. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. And I just, I, listen, I didn't know where the scripture was. I just, I woke up and the words bubbled up out of my spirit. And I was so happy to hear his voice. It was so distinct. So I looked it up you know, which always causes us to triumph. And I got the reference. Unlike my husband, who is a human machine, when it comes to memorizing the word, I got to look it up. I got to put in a key word. Okay, y'all. <laughs> so as I'm hearing this come up in my spirit, and I look up the reference, I turn to 2 Corinthians 2. And I heard the Lord say, yes, but go back to chapter one. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll go back to chapter one. And I started reading because remember, I'm talking about a spirit that is enforcing buffeting. Okay. And so he's shown me that and he's telling me he's going to cause me to triumph. I mean, what comfort, what comfort. So I go back to chapter one and let's start with verse three, 2 Corinthians one, verse three. And it says, blessed be God, even the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And all of a sudden comfort meant something totally different to me. This is Paul talking about how they were pressed beyond measure in Asia. You can read that, but then when you're in a press and you read, because you can tend to think if there's a length of time that's passing, I start apologizing to God. God, I should be so much more skillful. I, I'm sorry my faith is so small. I, I, I start apologizing to God because I begin to question my faith in the sense of I should have grown past this. This is taking time. And then God is taking me. And, and you know, sometimes that's true. But in this case, I don't think that was the case because of the way the Father revealed this verse. Chapter 1 is Paul talking about great anguish, great tribulation, great trouble. And he's saying there's this comfort that comes from God that you can only know in this kind of a press. And it comes to sustain you. It comes, it's, it's more than enough for the press. And it's more than enough during the season of anguish or tribulation, okay? So then go to verse 4. Now, this is what I love. This is the part. I think this shows the love of God. You'll see what I mean. Who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted. I've got to keep saying comfort. 
This kind of comfort is not a, oh, I'm sorry, you're feeling bad. They're there. I'm here for you. That's, this is not it. This is a supernatural kind of comfort. This is also a weapon of warfare, this kind of comfort, this kind of peace. So in verse 4, now my Bible, I don't know if you have it or not, but my Bible has certain words underlined. And when you press on it, it dials down into the Greek. And it can do it four or five, six times to take you level by level down into the deeper meanings of the verse. So when I got to verse four and I says, who comforted us, I can't say it, comforteth us in all our tribulation. When I got to the word tribulation, the Lord said, touch that word. And I thought, okay. So when I touched it, it says pressure, affliction, anguish, burdened, persecution, tribulation, and trouble. And then there's another, you can't see it, but there's another number. So I'm going to dial it down again. I hit it again. And it says akin to the base of, to crowd. I've heard you preach on this. To crowd, afflict in a narrow place, to throng, to suffer tribulation and trouble. So, and so, and there's another number there. And I thought, okay, I'm going to hit that one. When I hit that one and it says this, the base of a rut or a worn track or path. This has been going on for a while. This is fatiguing. Do you see that? A rut. This kind of tribulation, this kind of trouble. And then there's another number there. And I hit that one. And actually, let me go back. I think it's this one. Yeah, it's this one. Now listen to this. It says, from the base of 5176. And it says, a he-goat. As a gnawer, a goat, and I'm lying in bed, and I literally went, I I couldn't believe it. He led me. He was describing what he was showing, what he was revealing in the realm of the spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, something that causes a rot, a gnawing, affliction. And this this is when you need the comfort of God. And he is ever present. And with that comfort comes answers. With that comfort comes power. With that comfort comes a shield. And with that comfort comes the knowledge, I cannot help but win. We're going to win. We're going to win. So whatever you're seeing, your job is to get into that place in the spirit. A lady that I met in the States was very troubled because her oldest daughter is not serving the Lord. And they're pastors. And not the type to really say anything, but it was just a Holy Ghost conversation. Uh, We were with Brother Randy Greer, and she started talking. And, you know, I just said, you know, I'm going to pray for your daughter. And as we were beginning to talk, I realized sometimes people hold things in. They're just so, so painful. They hold them in. And she was talking about how the Lord had given her this verse for her child. And it was in, and this is a grown child, like about 26 years of age. And it was, um, it was in Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 61. But when you read the translation, it says the Lord did not give us children for their destruction or for ours. Isn't that amazing? That's, so she was holding to that verse. And some people have asked me, and I'm, I'm done now, what I pray out for my children, and I'm, I am compiling it for them. But one of the things that I just 
just came off the page for me and that I pray very often. I never do the same thing every day, but I pray it very, very frequently. It's Colossians 1. And the way it came to me was when I go through it, this is how it sounds. It says, go down to verse 4. Since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints, I walk around saying, my children have love for all the saints. That's how it came to me. It's not an exact replication, but this, and I, and I say this, I keep going down. I said, Lord, in verse 5, they'll hear the word of the truth of the gospel. They won't just hear the gospel. They'll hear the word of the truth, the revelation of the truth of the gospel. And they'll bring forth fruit, verse 6, it's there. And I thank you, Lord, they bear fruit in the, fruit in the grace of God in truth. And then I go down and I say, da, 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 da. oh, I love this one, verse 9. And I say, to, and I desire, Lord, that they will be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Not church. Love church. But church perceived through the natural mind don't help nobody. It's the spirit of God that has to bring to life those seeds of the word in their life to bring forth a spiritual harvest. And then the next verse, Colossians 1.10, God, my children will walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. That just caught me right there. Unto all pleasing. Unto all pleasing. A life that is all pleasing. I love it. Being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Patience produces great fruit. A young man or a young woman that is not patient is it can be in peril. They can jump ship because some of the promises of God take time. Giving thanks unto the Father because, Lord, you've made my children to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light and that you have delivered them from the power of darkness and have translated them into the kingdom of your dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood. All glory to God. And there's more, but that's how I pray it out. If you go down to verse 23, it says, if you continue in faith, grounded and settled. So that's what I say. My children. Continue in faith, grounded and settled, not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Glory to God. And there's more. Even in the next chapter, it talks about um, them not being deceived. And so I say all that to say this. Pray for your children. Pray for them in the spirit. And then as God prompts you, do what he prompts you to do. While you're praying for your children... Stay in peace, the peace that comes from God. Why do we have a right to stay in peace? First of all, it's the flow of heaven. And second of all, we stay in peace because our faith puts us in a flow of joy and peace from the realm of the spirit. And there's so much power that flows when we do that. So mothers, I hope today that this encouraged your heart. I know all of us have different situations here. And some of you are sitting here today and things are rosy and I'm glad for you may they always remain that way but if you hit a situation remember Paul says you know we were perplexed but we weren't without hope we were pushed down but we were never destroyed what's he saying we feel it it comes against us we're feeling different things don't be afraid if when you're standing things look worse 
Because a lot of us are under somewhat of a false perception that I just say something and it never comes, never happens. And if it does come, our faith is no good. And that's not true. First of all, you have to learn how to stay in the secret place during a battle. Remember, Jesus called it the valley of the shadow of death. And I wish I could say that the valley of the shadow of death doesn't exist. But if you're walking through one today, be spiritual. Don't do it in the natural. Say the right words over your children. Call them out before God. Call them out before God. That's your heritage. That's your life. That's your children. And God has given them to you for you to protect them, protect them in the spirit, protect them in the natural, and for you to guard them in the realm of the spirit. There's watchmen. You're watchmen on the wall. You're watchmen. Turn away from things that are displeasing. Turn away. Remember when the disciple, I think it was Peter, he had to turn away to raise the dead. You might have to turn away. To raise the dead. And that's good. Just turn away from what you can see. And make sure that as you're praying, you need to pray the word out. And water their lives. And then rest. You have to rest. If you don't rest, that worry will tie the Lord's hands. It's not your job to make them perfect in the natural. It's not your job. Your job is to... Yes, you've probably trained them, and that's good, but your job is to watch over them in the spirit, and your job is to declare things, and your job is to bind the enemy, and your job is to see the end from the beginning, because that's where our victory is, in faith. We protect and we keep. And if the world knew what was given to us, that they did, if they didn't have to despair when things aren't going right or when there's prolonged seasons, no, we've been given mighty authority. Now, Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I hope, Father, that these stories landed. Father, particularly where you talked about and revealed what that spirit was, Lord. You led me on a bread trail through the scriptures to find out that you were interested in comforting me and that you had revealed something, that I would be the victor. And I say those stories, Lord, for them today that they could see it even through a mother's and a father's eyes so that they would know how first of all very real the spirit realm is and second of all to understand the great authority that we've been given there and that we have a right to a walk of joy and peace no matter what's going on around us for we know the precious promises that have been given us Lord God Father I thank you I pray that the words went into their spirit today, that it went into them, Lord, lifted a load, helped them get more um, skill in the hearing of it, and to understand how spiritual life really is. And Father, the enemy can bring ambushments, but what you've given us is so much more powerful for the demolishing of assignments against our children. And that your power would flow into them. Oh, the joy of praying out the pathways for our children. Not pushing them. Praying it out that, Lord, you would cause their feet to walk upon the high places of the earth. The high places of salvation. Father, that you would touch our families. That you would make us whole, Lord, where there's missing things. Lord, you're a restorer. You're a healer, 
And God, you want us to know what you have given us in your name. Lord, for children that are wayward, for the precious people of this church, Lord, the agonies of their heart, Lord, the fear that has come against their mind. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would overwhelm them with your peace, that the joy that comes from your spirit, Lord, would minister healing to their insides, Lord God. And Father, that they would look up for you're the lifter of their heads and in that quiet place with you, they would take all the ground that is lost without even needing to say a word to the child unless prompted because that's where the power is, God. You mighty angels that minister to our children, go, go and bring them to the feet of Jesus. Go and influence. Holy Spirit, touch. Bring a burning bush experience. Protect and guard the way like you guarded Balaam's way. And Father, we pray that if it should need to occur, that the voice from the Lord himself would direct and go into a child's heart asking, why would they kick against you as Lord and Savior, as King of Kings? Father, I just pray for them. I pray for them, Lord, that you would make their joy full. You would turn every wayward heart. They're our children, Lord, and we protect them in the realm of the Spirit. We protect them from the lion that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We are sober, and yet we are joyful because we walk with you, God. We walk with you. I thank you for the young people in this church you're raising up, Lord, as Davids for this generation, that you would pour out your spirit upon them. They would know you. They would hear your voice. They would be led by the spirit, and it would cause the might of God to flow into them, transforming them like Samson, transforming them like David, making them Samuels, speaking the oracles of God, loving you, God, and unafraid like Joshua from battle to battle, knowing the instructions and the strategies of heaven. And Father, I thank you. Let no mother or father be afraid in this place, for your spirit will rest upon the children, Lord. And Father, you will set their paths. You will set them in their inheritance. You will set them in the knowing and the knowledge of you in revelation, Lord, to walk out what you have ascribed to them and to them alone. They're each unique individual path. Oh, Father, I thank you. Make them young prophets young vision seers holy ghost holy ghost holy ghost we thank you and we worship you in jesus mighty name amen hallelujah hallelujah father we block the way but with angelic help for every child represented in this room, 
every child, Father, even the older ones, even the ones that are married with their own kids. I know there's many here, Father, that have children that they're standing and believing for. Let these words fill their hearts with hope and with spiritual strength today. And we say angels block their way to hell in Jesus' name. Block their way. Cause them to have a burning bush experience and cause them to be interested enough to turn away from their busy lives and to say, let me look at what this amazing sight is. Speak to them, Father. Show them holiness. Show them the plan of God for their future. We claim it, Father. We claim their lives, every child represented by every woman in this room. Father, every mother in this room, whether they're in this country, out of this country, old, young, born again, not born again, we claim every life for the kingdom of God. I remind you, Father, you said a lamb for a house in the name of Jesus and that all of Noah's family were saved from destruction. And I thank you, Father, our children will be saved in this wicked and perverse generation. They will shine like lights. They will shine like the sun. We claim it, Father, and we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Part of being skillful, you don't have to have the discerning of spirits. You don't have to even know exactly what, what the devil is in the situation she knew. But a lot of times we don't know, do we, honey? We just know we got to bind and take authority over that thing, whatever that thing is. And that will still obey. They have to obey. We don't have to know the exact name. We don't have to know what it looks like. We just have to know, like Dr. Sumrall said, there's not a demon behind every bush, but there's a demon behind every other bush. In other words, most of what we're facing is, is a mixture of flesh and demonic power against this generation today. And I won't give details because it's not necessary, but God told me the name of that demon that she saw. See, he showed her, but then he gave me the word of knowledge to understand details about it. I know the name and I know its primary three assignments. And so now we can be very skillful and specific in how we deal with that. Praise God. We're already starting to see it turn. Hallelujah. That no matter what comes our way, we have absolute dominion. Glory to God. Nothing but victory in Jesus' name. So, Jenny, thank you for sharing with us. This applies to every situation, finances, health, but we're just focusing on moms. And listen, if you're a mom, it means you're a mom because you have a kid. <laughs> you, if, you don't, if you don't have a child, you're not a mom. And so every mother needs to be praying for their children, even if they're doing well. Because you can have a child that's doing well, but still not, you need to pray out that they would know the plan and the call of God for their life. And even if they're in the womb, you need to be praying. And if they've, and if they've got, you know, you're, you're a grandmother or a great-grandmother, you need to be praying. Amen? In all, in all spheres. Thank you, sweetheart. That was a wonderful encouragement.